Today on Happy Sad Confused, Haley Atwell goes from the Marvel Cinematic Universe to E.M. Forster with Howard's End. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. I'm Josh. Here's Sammy. That was a good one. Really? Yeah, that one felt good. Felt well, good in the room. I don't well, know how it most sounds. Most of the but... interests sound horrible, so the standard is pretty low. Yeah, that one felt good. Uh, very pleased to say that today's guest is Haley Atwell. Uh, I was going to say like the, the, the charming Haley Atwell, but of course she's charming. She's a Brit. All of them, they're so damn And they charming. love you. Well, I love Those them. Brits, yeah. They bring it. Uh, You're an I, Anglophile. I think I am. Um, she uh, is, of course, probably best known to uh, Marvel fans as Agent Carter, Peggy Carter. Uh, brought That's to, a big one. Brought to life first in Captain America, the first Avenger, which I think you commented on my tweet recently, gave me some flack for it. Yes. Uh, this was before I even knew Haley was coming on. I tweeted like a week or two ago that reminding people that I think Captain America, the first Avenger is maybe it, the best, if not one of the best Marvel it's films. It's top three. It's not the best. I just have a soft spot for it. I, I know, it, but I you're it. wrong. Okay, well. It's very good, though. You will agree that she, as yes. Peggy Carter. I loved her. I really did. She is great. And yeah. the relationship between her and Chris Evans like in that sucks. film is very yeah. sweet. And uh, it's such a great ending. And, and then the fact that. And we talk about this a little bit in the podcast, the fact that, you know, we always joke about these, the, you know, the side characters, the sporting characters, like, oh, wouldn't it be great to get your own spinoff? She really got one. Like, she's like the one that, like, had this afterlife. She had two seasons of Agent Carter on ABC. She's popped up mm -hmm. in a bunch of the Marvel films since then. Uh, I don't think her time as Peggy Carter is up, I'm sure, with two more Avengers films coming. We're going to see her pop up at some point. Mm -hmm. I don't know anything. I'm just saying I believe that to be the case. Um, so, so, yeah, it's been cool to see sort of the fans embrace that character and Marvel then to deliver more uh, great product in terms of uh, that character. So, but there's a lot more than, than just, uh, uh, she's more than agent Carter. She's more than agent Carter. Mm -hmm. She's also starring currently on stars in the critically beloved. And I, and I, I mean that it's gotten rave reviews. Okay. Uh, I saw all four episodes. It's great. Howard's end new adaptation of the classic Ian Forster novel. Of course, most people probably saw, and I myself did, I think it was 1992, big Oscar nominee, uh, Emma Thompson. I think Emma Thompson won the Oscar for Best Actress for it. Um, and uh, so it's, you know, big shoes to fill, but it's a different kind of adaptation. This one, obviously four hours long, so you have a little bit more room to breathe. It was scripted by Kenny Lonergan, the amazing playwright. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, Matthew McFadden is also in it. Another, uh, I need to get him on the podcast too. I think he seems like good, good people. Yeah, um, put him on the list. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, so there was a lot to talk about. With Will I like it? Yes. Okay, I'll watch it. Yes, and you'll like this podcast because I, I will say I, I I've only interviewed Haley maybe once or twice on carpets. So again, one of those you where never you, got to really connect. We connected. Love her. Thank God. She's the best. Um, so she is always welcome here, and I think this this conversation will be entertaining to those of you that that already know and love Peggy Carter and Haley Atwell, and those of you that just want a charming Brit in your ears for 45 minutes. Who doesn't? Right? Yeah. Okay. So uh, on to the main event. Uh, as always, remember to please rate, review, subscribe to Happy Second Fuse on iTunes. Spread the good word. Please. And, please. Please. And uh, in return, I give you this, the lovely, the talented, Haley Atwell. Well, 
Well, welcome. Mm -hmm. This is the uh, the victory lap for Howard's End. Yeah, you guys that's are right. you must be feeling good. Yeah, well, it's been lovely because we're we're you know promoting it, but also the the reviews and the BAFTA nomination that we got from it has just you know kind of elevated us all to be very happy to be talking about it. Yeah. It's been so well received. I just saw your, your little it's a, it's a small but powerful New York Times review. Yes, that, I know. That, that seemed to. Uh, that's as good as you could ask for it's as an actor. It's just delightful. Yeah, it's lovely. I think also because you don't know what the response is going to be. You just do the best you can and the job that's at hand and have a good time of it. And then it's you know unleashed to the world for them to have their own experience of it. Yeah. You know, it's no longer yours. Yeah. So um, the you know the feedback is very welcome. You can coast on that. You can kind of <laughs> feed on that. Oh, I'm going to adjust yeah. your microphone a little bit. Just yeah, yeah, we yeah. Want to hear you loud mm -hmm. and proud. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we both had uh, birthdays very recently. You even more recently. I, I'm, I'm an April Fool's kid. Oh, yeah. But like my friend David Yellowo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So David a... and I were born the exact same day, same year. Oh, amazing. He was on the podcast and we we made that revelation. Oh, so we're clearly... So we're uh, all just... April babies. There you go. Yeah. So lovely. how did you celebrate? That was yesterday. I went to a pink concert at Madison Square Garden. As one does. As one does. <laughs> Oh my goodness, she was phenomenal. She was, she just, she went from rock to ballads to, to folk at times. At one point you're thinking, is this contemporary dance? And we insert to Soleil and then she's doing acrobatics. Yeah, so she's flying all, all flew around? Flew all over, flew all over Madison Square. So I mean, what a great view. I find, <laughs> I find myself when I, I appreciate something like that, yeah. but then I get, I get worried for the performer. I get legitimately... That's so kind of you. Well, I did think about that because I thought the amount of security and preparation it must have taken to ensure that pink the, the very valuable lady herself <laughs> team pink be okay, yeah team pink yeah but she seemed to be having a whale of a time right yeah, yeah. i was just i was at um i was seeing that the, the harry potter play here oh, yeah and yeah. there's a, there's a lot of like pyrotechnics and stuff that could go and, wrong, and it yeah. detracted slightly i mean i loved it it was it's an amazing production mm, yeah but like I'm just too much of a worrywart. I can't Aww, handle it. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> it's sweet. It's Did, very sweet. Um, so is, is uh, I mean, obviously theater is close to your heart. Is mm. that something that you are able to do? Uh, sneak a little theater in while you were here uh, in New York? I or? wasn't able to, actually. I was trying, I mean, I really wanted to see Lobby Hero, obviously, because of Chris, Chris Evans yes, being in, and yes. also but Kenny Lonergan uh, writing it and right. having adapted to Howard's End. So there was a connection there. It was like, we're connected to Marvel in some weird way through Kenny. Totally. Um, but I wasn't able to see it with the with all the press I had to do. But um, So Pink was my kind of cultural highlight <laughs> of my, my time here in New York. Beyond sitting in just a weird, sketchy office at MTV yeah. talking to me. <laughs> Which, this is clearly a cultural. Charm. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> just fishing for compliments. Is that Bradley yeah. Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence's face combined? Yeah, well, I don't know why you're asking it like it's a weird thing. Yeah. Um, I just, I just, I, <laughs> wow. First, first of all, congratulations on being a really good facial recognition. I thought uh, it might be you and her. No. And then I thought, That's but that, that kind you. of pointy facial hair mm. and the, the hairline feels Bradley. And then, of course, you, they've worked together. So um, Yes. That's a that's just spot. Yeah, I'm just delighted to to see that up there. They should, that, that is evidence they should never procreate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just trying to do a service A here. very pretty, hairy child. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> um. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, the, 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 what's, what's the what's the difference in doing press here versus... Because you did this whole round of press in England. It's, yeah. been, it's been on the air and received great uh, accolades over there. Yeah. Uh, different kinds of questions here, or is it similar kind of reactions? Give me a sense of what the... Yeah, the central... So a lot of people want to know about what makes it different from the film, you know, and thinking like, right. was it very... You know, did you feel the pressure of, you know, walking in the shoes of Emma Thompson's incredible performance at one of the Oscar? And, and it was always kind of funny to me because it's a bit like you know Margaret Schlegel for me is kind of an iconic female character mm -hmm. 
that I was speaking to another brilliant actress, Juliet Stevenson, about this, and she was like, oh, you get the chance to play Margaret. I love that role. And, and many actresses who know the book know that she's such a great character to play, so they, we all you know, want the opportunity to play her. Yeah. And similarly, we all kind of want, would love the op- opportunity to play people like Lady Macbeth and Therese Rakan and Hedda Gabler and all the greats. So it was less of like, oh, I don't know if I can do this because Emma's done such a great job, and more like, as an actor, I get the opportunity to have this in my kind of my back pocket, my Canon. Sure. Um, and and I, you know, was speaking to Emma about it. She was so typically generous in that. Um, oh, there's the coffee. We're Lovely. getting caffeinated oh, up. We need one last. The coffee. <laughs> um, she had said, uh, you know, don't watch what I've done. You are she, and she is you. And uh, just kind of, I think, gave me the 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 support that she's always done, um, really. And. And I, you know, so I think the the press really has been very much about honouring what the film was, but then realising that this is a four-parter. And if we pull it off, then this is a different, definitive TV production version of it over time uh, that doesn't in any way try to compete with the film. Um, The director hadn't seen the film. She encouraged us not to watch it. Um, And also with Kenny's writing... We felt that there was this lightness of touch to the script that yep. he brought to it. There wasn't—he's not kind of sentimental or nostalgic about period dramas. He wants there to be no stiff austereness. He wants it to be naturalistic and just a human story—the story of characters that we can relate to. Well, and I will—I will say I, I got a chance to. It, it might sound counterintuitive to like binge watch something like this, but I yeah. did. I sat oh. basically in, in one sitting, and, it, and I think that speaks to. Um, the lightness of his touch on the material and kind of like the watchability of it. Mm. And cause sometimes you can feel like this is homework uh, and it's yeah, not homework. Yeah. 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 It, it reminds me a little bit of like, uh, I remember like when I was a teenager, when, um, when David Mamet did like the Winslow boy mm. as an adaptation as a film. And I was like, so curious, like mm. what attracted him to that. And, 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 and the fact that he was kind of, kind of honor the story that he obviously loved so much. And, and just the notion of someone like Kenny Lonergan, you know, for those that don't know, obviously this acclaimed playwright and did of course, Manchester mm. by the sea. Mm. Um, that for me was one of the early things when I heard about this project that said, Oh, this is something worth something. Yeah. It's taking something different. Note of. Yeah. He definitely lends a kind of a cool gravitas to, to productions. Right. I think Lenny Kenny. And I, it was for me, it was as soon as I knew that he was attached to it, it was just a, an absolute no brainer that I would love to have been involved in it. And yeah, I think it's, you know, stories are, if they're told well, they transcend the genre. Right. And if someone who is not a fan of horror sees a horror film, that's just brilliantly told, whether it be like, you know, something like get out for example, which is, has a completely different take on the genre. And that in itself kind of is just great, good storytelling. Yeah. And um, you know, we felt that that was very much in the script and wanted to to bring that kind of new energy to it so that people who wouldn't necessarily, um, you know, could feel that period drama has a bad rep of being that kind of um, inaccessible or a bit wistful, a bit earnest, a bit up its own bottom, should we say. <laughs> um, that, 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 no, that's very much the kind of case that people can watch this and go, oh, I didn't really think I'd like period dramas, but... This uh, is a, just a beautifully engaging script. Totally, you know? yeah. I'm I'm, st- I'm still plagued, of course, by the apostrophe uh, <laughs> and, and the lack thereof. It, what, what, I mean, I feel like we could just solve this 
and make me uh, not have sleepless nights by just adding an apostrophe to Howard's end. Oh, I know, I know. And also, every time I write it in an email, something corrects it to do right. that. Even my phone is going, no, 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 no. It's like every time I, I, I prep for a Liev Schreiber uh, interview, it wants me to write live Schreiber, and it, it, right. it, it will never allow <laughs> <laughs> such yeah, a thing. Yeah, absolutely. And also, when, you're, when like, I was posting anything on Instagram about it, I have to double-check the typos, because that's very important. Oh, yeah, you right, would you lose know. your credibility also, card, yeah. And talking of punctuation, in fact, we had Hetty MacDonald, who was directing it, who was mm. at the Royal Court in London in the 80s with Kenny. So so they worked together early on. And she would come up to me sometimes and go, um, Kenny's written a comma. That, that, that's actually, there's a comma in the middle of that sentence. So let's honour that. Right. <laughs> and so it sounds all very like, you know, oh God, this is far too serious. But it's really, it's great because that specificity, mm. um, when you kind of, know how to play it in the delivery of a line you go oh I understand why Kenny's written it with that kind of rhythm and it adds a pace and a rhythm to it that you kind of want to keep up with because that's how the character is talking Um, yeah so that I actually found it the more technical and specific it was the more liberated I felt yeah I mean also part of the fun I think you guys had a a premiere here in New York so you shared it with some of the cast Um, is it similar doing press with a, a, a buddy who you've worked with before, Matthew McFadden, mm-hmm, versus mm-hmm. someone like uh, a jerk like Chris Evans? Oh, I mean, yeah, nightmare. <laughs> Both of them. Oh, I'm so unlucky. But um, Matthew, you have worked with at least a three couple times. times, right? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, obviously, and Chris as well, because we did the films, right. and then we'd, we'd come back to it, and then um, you know, we'd hung out before, and you know, so it's and it's also with the Marvel thing, it's kind of rare that you play a part and then it gets kind of revisited a few years later or being in a different format or it's kind of, you know, the part that kind of still keeps coming back, which is kind of always a surprise, you know, welcome one. Um, Yeah, I think Matthew's, Matthew's comic timing and his compassion and his emotional intelligence as an actor also just spills over in between takes and he's, he's got such a great sense of humor about himself as he's, very much of that kind of, I think, sentiment of taking the work seriously, but not yourself seriously. And so we can have a giggle. And having that kind of atmosphere on set, I think, produces better work for everyone. Because totally. it energizes people. And people want to be there. And they want to, they'll, they'll put up with the long hours and, you know, um, the the corsets and the sudden kind of like, <laughs> London's now in a downpour, so we've got to be on weather coverage for a bit. Right. And, you know, um, the, the pressured uh, environment that working on a set is, it's kind of, I think kind of really important to have have yeah. fun with it and I, I do I do find that to speak in generalities that like generally the Brits that I've worked with I've taught I've taught I've interviewed and I've done my silly sketches as you can see from mm. the, the stuff on the walls <laughs> um they are the ones that are both like you know they're they're trained and they they know how to uh, you know obey every comma mm-hmm. but they are willing to you know I've done countless stuff with Hiddleston and Cumberbatch and mm-hmm. like and, and and I feel I don't it, it's it's an odd it's an odd thing, but I, it's, 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 it's a refreshing, nice thing, too, mm, that mm, um, mm. I don't know. Sometimes uh, it's counterintuitive to some, I would think, that like the stiff upper lip of Brits wouldn't want to... Well, yeah, or you'd think that we're all very kind of serious and very earnest. Right. And yeah, especially if you're doing a period drama or something that's kind of a literary adaptation or something yeah. or a play, that there's a kind of a, a pretension around it that kind of like po- kind of pomp. And um, I don't think that's kind of the case either. If it was the case, I think it would be very... People wouldn't want to come and watch it. Right. You know, it would just be like, why am I being dictated to by someone who's being very serious about all this? It's just a show. Um, so it's kind of... I think, you know, Marvel's also good at that. Marvel knows what it is. It has this tongue-in-cheek quality to mm-hmm. it. So it's always, especially, you know, 
Thor, for example, being so funny oh, yeah. and so self-aware uh, that it makes everything that much more enjoyable to watch. Is, is this kind of a production in some ways the best of all possible worlds, I would think, in that, like, you have the room to breathe. It's four mm. hours. Um, you don't have, like, the hanging, you know, when you've done a couple series where it's like, you know, you're, you're probably enjoying the work, but you're, you're always wondering, are we going to get to do this again? Are we, are we, are we going <clears> to <throat> come back for more? And yeah. this is, you know, it, it's, 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 it's like a film, but you have a little bit more room yeah. to breathe, yeah. and you don't have the hanging albatross of, of are we going to get to do this again? Absolutely. That, I've only, I've done that once uh, on a TV show. I mean, Agent Cast was a bit different because it had come from Marvel film, yeah. and we knew that it would be this many episodes it'd be limited series so and for the most part especially season one the scripts you kind of knew what was going to happen early enough to be able to make choices or feel as an actor that you're plotting where you know the character arc is going to be sure it is for i know i might sound like a nerd but that's sort of thing that's the job that's the job (laughs) so that's one thing so to do anything that's you don't know you're you're kind of chasing the ratings will dictate how long it's going on for scripts are being written as you as you film it you might be reshooting the episode previously as you're shooting the next one and there's a time constraint of getting it out in time it's a completely different kind of machine yeah. Um, and it's de- it's definitely not somewhat something that we're accustomed to in the UK. Uh, it tends to be certain, certainly unless it's kind of um, you know soap operas. A lot of uh, a lot of series will have will start with these are the six scripts. Right. These are the directors, and there will be maybe two weeks of rehearsal. So you have a little bit more scope, I think, as an actor to make choices in that. And sure. And and that, and that makes you feel, I think, for me, like you can own the material a little bit more. Yeah. And you can go oh, I know that I could actually steer her in this kind of direction and that could be quite interesting, quite fun. Um, so having all that material up you know, at the beginning is just kind of how we, how, we, how we work a lot in the UK and how I like to work too. So, I'm a so, control freak, basically. <laughs> I want to know exactly what I'm doing. Every comma. What comma? Oh, are, are there two commas? How many commas are going to be in the script? Can I just... I need to There's a typo in here. I can't read the commas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, it, it's... It, do you find that there is an intersection between um, fans of material like Howard's End and the Marvel fans? Um, it, um, I'm not sure. I think the. Um, I'm sorry. I'm just looking at all the famous names that you've got on your <laughs> these whiteboard. These are up New Yorkers. Greta Go. Oh, are they just? This just names New York. Are, these are not people I'll, like I'll you. I'll start got. a London board for you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Would you mind? No, that's fine. So are the, these are all native New Yorkers, or not native, but they, they currently live, as far as oh, I know, in New York. All of them. If I'd known, I would have invited them to the pink concert. <laughs> What a fun, oh, what a fun night Greta it would have been with Greta Gerwig oh, and Kevin Klein and, and Emily Blunt, fantastic, wonderful, amazing. What a great selection. Anyway, back to our question. Um, Marvel fans are—they know more about my character than I do, and it's very, very lovely. I, I, yeah, I was doing a play in London, and a fan came up to me afterwards, and he was like, "Anyway, yeah, well, the play, whatever. Anyway, so Marvel, <laughs> and you know, and I'm like, God, we've been working for six weeks rehearsing this in very intense play, and you just want to hear what. Anyway, so why do you go into American when you're speaking like I don't uh, stressed? Know, because you're... when I get emotional, I feel like it gives me, like the, it just. <laughs> comes out American. It's fascinating. Yeah. Do you have an alter ego? Do you have a different name for that, the woman that just... Should we give her one? Let's give her one. What's her name? Tiffany. Tiffany. Tiff. 
Yeah, like it's really hard. Oh my god. That's Tiffany. There she it's is. It's just like really I've been working so hard and I just don't feel like you see me for who I am. It's disturbingly good. It's <laughs> amazing. Sometimes she's she needs to be heard she, yeah, and she, she needs, needs to, to express herself. Yeah. And I don't judge that. No, I nor welcome do I. her. I, there is room for all of us that in this head of mine. Said, bring back Kelly, bring back Kelly. Personality disorder that I'm developing. Um so Marvel fans yes. are very committed and they after this the this play the guy came up and he was like so um you know like so the infinity stones and i was oh, like no. <laughs> is that a what is the is that a film is it what is stones where is a i don't and he was going are you gonna be in like are you gonna right. so come on can you just tell me are you can like with the stones like it will mean that you can take these stones and i'm like i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> and i didn't want to break his heart thinking that like i didn't i just right. didn't know and as it was going on and he was asking me these questions you could see his the kind of disappointment his face kind of sagging in sadness because he he then just went oh my goodness like you know nothing like you really don't know anything and I was like no I know and it's a it's partly because Marvel are have to be in order to surprise and delight their fans it's very secretive about the process of it and sure. as they go along so I'm not privy to much um so they uh, but they are committed in other ways and I've met them at various conventions and people who've had like my face as Peggy Carter tattooed on their forearm and That's overwhelming, the, the I know sure. my value quote tattooed yeah. on their thigh and <laughs> Men dressed as Peggy, looking even better in the, in the skirt than I do, which makes me very jealous. Um, and it's been kind of amazing how she's taken on this this world of her own, really. Um, and uh, and then with you know the period drama stuff, I think it's uh, I think it's kind of like hoping that Coward's End will open up to a slightly bigger demographic than the people who would naturally just gravitate to period dramas because they like the look of it. Sure. Um, and I think you know. Of course, it is very beautiful. The costumes are very beautiful. The landscapes are very beautiful. But we wanted to add detail so it didn't feel kind of wistful and mm. nos- romantic or idealistic, uh, which would take away from the, the the actual development of the story and the characters. Um, so I, you know, I'm hoping that people will kind of as soon as they get hooked into a little bit of it and going, oh, it's funny. Oh, Tracy Ullman's in. Right. Oh, we're allowed to laugh. Yeah. Oh, great. Okay. And then feel a little bit more relaxed that they can do that because we're relaxed. You know, we, we, we played heads up most of the time in preparation. <laughs> amazing. That's... I was going to say, I'm usually like when I'm reading up on a film, like I expect to read about pranks on like the George Clooney Ocean's Eleven movies. I don't expect to hear about pranks being done on the Howard's oh, Ensign. I literally live for it. It is, <laughs> it's kind of like essential to my process. Is pranking. So I remember a play that I did, and um, there was an actor, and uh, we'd kind of prank each other back and forth. And so it was my turn, and I kind of decided to up my game. He'd kind of like jump out at me sometimes from backstage in a scary mask. Yeah, that's amateur hour, please. I that's mean, whatever. Yeah, we've seen that before. <laughs> and so I went onto eBay and I purchased 3,000 plastic children's pit balls, you yeah, know, those things. Yeah. And I had them delivered to the stage door on a Saturday morning. And two hours before the matinee, um, I went into his dressing room and I filled his dressing room up to the, like, just below my knee in pit bull balls. <laughs> and um, then closed the door and had to climb in through the window um, of the dressing room through the courtyard so that it didn't spill out. Sure, yeah. And I put them in his costume. I put them in the sink, in the bathroom, and just literally covered it everywhere. And then all you could, and then I just listened as it, the, him just opened this door as he got in and just go, oh, God, Hayley! <laughs> oh! 
and just going and for and the the satisfaction of knowing that you've gotten someone is just it really helps especially when you're doing a long run of a show it really does like it's it keeps you all on the edge because yeah. you don't know what's going to happen who you're going to you know just suddenly going to jump out at you at yeah. any, any what time what bucket of water is hanging in what closet yeah, exactly exactly so was- i did that on on howard's end so we had this um kind of ongoing gag that my character ultimately infantilizes right. Henry Wilcox by the end of it. And Matthew was kind of, yeah, kind of, we're talking about this line he says towards the end where he goes to Margaret, Did, have, I, have I done wrong? And we have this image of him being in a, in a diaper, <laughs> eating like a rusk, dribbling, having been this like staunch kind of alpha capitalist and thinking that he has the answer to everything and then realized at the end he knows nothing. So he's just like, did I do wrong? <laughs> Who am I? <laughs> <laughs> So that the day that we've shot that, because mm-hmm. the other thing is, I we really like to try and make each other laugh in takes, because weirdly, it means that we're more alive to each other, yep. and we're more like trying to all with the all with the kind of intention of just making each other more awake, sure, or <laughs> a positive intention, but just kind of going, <laughs> if I can make him laugh, then I know that we're really connected. Mm-hmm. And so the day of that scene, I went into his trailer and I put a diaper in his trout in his pants, a potty training like thing in his bathroom Na- a diaper rash cream I had a pacifier in his pocket <laughs> I got the every time he asked for a cup of tea on set the runners would give it to him in a sippy cup his lunch was given to him with a bib and uh, and he would just actually kind of, sounds amazing I mean I has know, Matthew I mean, like taken to like, this living the dream <laughs> Like, this is what it's all been working towards. This moment where I can finally be the big baby that we all know I am. It will surprise no one to know that Haley was an only, only child. Yeah. <laughs> I know, yeah. Yeah, I just slowly spent... You know, I remember, like, being in my room as an only kid child, being like, well... <sighs> just practice sadness in the mirror for a bit so i'll be like or like <laughs> three years later yeah like here i am golden nog multi-olivier nominated actor but i like, just like going it's just literally from boredom of being an only child in my room going might as well just you know entertain myself and i remember like times when i was younger like if something happened and i was generally upset about it like if i just would part I'd be like oh my god and then this happened and i'd be like oh looking in the mirror going that's what grief looks like I just remember that right <laughs> I was always preparing. Amazing. Yeah. Um, were you? So uh, let's just jump around a little bit because I, I, we don't have time to go like through every single aspect of the career. But like you, you done the Woody Allen film, which mm-hmm. was the kind of I guess the first film, right? So that's mm. a huge break. Yeah, first time I've been on a film set. Yeah. So like, where were you at when the Marvel audition came around? I mean, your career was going well. You were you were you yeah. Golden Globe nominated for Pillars of the Earth, right? Yeah, and that ha- yeah, that happened around that time. So, yeah, I was ar- it was around then, and I was you know a working actor, and I managed to have a few years out of drama school under my belt, mm-hmm. um, a few plays, a bit at the National Theatre and the Royal Shakespeare Company, and um, and still very much kind of apprenticeship, still feeling like I had a lot to learn, and uh, not just about. The the technique of acting but then also bit the business side of it sure. and how those two marry and um not really knowing if uh you know if i if i was going to be able to sustain it because you're work going from job to job right. and um it, it's kind of hard to know i think if you go like oh i think i think i'm sorted i think i'm gonna be fine for the rest of my career you just never know so i it was i was still kind of just going to auditions and doing the thing and and working hard and um Got the, uh, you know, got the call to say, would you like to come in and audition for this? Of course, of course, you go and audition for anything that comes up. And I didn't hadn't didn't know who Chris, Chris Evans to me was a, a redhead, very uh, uh, funny and nerdy DJ. 
in the UK who, who presented a show growing up called Don't Forget Your Toothbrush, <laughs> <laughs> where he gets members of the audience to do crazy stuff and then they win a holiday. And I was like, oh, Chris Evans is going to be a superhero? That's a, that's that's a choice. It's, it's, it's good for right. him. Good for you. <laughs> um, and I loved him. You know, so then, so I didn't know the other Chris and I didn't know comic books and I wasn't, and, and this was also kind of, I suppose, you know, we're talking s seven or eight years ago. Mm. So we, there was a lot of films in the Marvel franchise that we, we hadn't had yet. So right. it was kind of, it hadn't exploded really. So I just went in and approached it like any other job, learned, learned the lines. I figured out, you know, who, a bit of who she was, went in, had a bash at it. And then like every audition, you kind of come out going, I have no idea. It's beyond my control now. And they might just go, I think she needs to be blonde. So we can't cast her. It might be as simple as that. Right. You just never know. Right. And then, um, so I got the call to then do a screen test, which was a full day of, you learn about 10 pages of dialogue and then you're given 20 minutes to learn unarmed combat fight sequence with a stunt double and coordinator. And, then also practicing me loading and unloading guns to see if I looked confident and I wasn't scared of them, for example. Mm. And it's also looking about physically how I moved. So physically, would I would it, would it would I be able to do stunts? Should that be required? Um, Did they also have Tommy Lee Jones in a corner just staring at you? Sternly? They had a cardboard cutout. <laughs> Because um, that's a test. <laughs> <laughs> that's intimidating. Yes, that's the real test of like, do you have the balls to be stared down by him and still deliver? Seriously. Um, and I remember just, you know, you just kind of, it was set up, this was done in a film studio and there was hair and makeup tests and camera tests. So you're doing, in a day, you're doing kind of a little montage mini scene of what your character could be. And um, I think I also auditioned with the final scene where she's on the phone to him. And I kind of looked, I remember doing, as I was doing the scene, kind of looking over at the assistant director who had been called in to, you know, do the audition. And he was a, a lovely um, English, like, well-known AD, like, proper alpha male. And he was, like, he was wiping away a tear. And I was, like, oh, nailing it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I hope you didn't actually say that out loud. <laughs> nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, that's in the can. I think uh, we all know. Where do I sign? What's Why do I sign? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, there was a little bit. Of, so I felt like it had gone really well, right. but it was really much an exercise to overcome the nerves of being in a, an environment like that. I mean, so much of my job is about being able to control your feelings and direct your thoughts into yeah. a story that's outside of yourself, you know, and with, with lots of people that you don't know staring at you. It's a terrifying thing. And... Um, then kind of getting it and going, okay, <laughs> lovely. And and here we are. So um, it's, you know, I feel, I, they even sent me, the Marvel lot sent me a, a, a hamper, a fondue, chocolate fondue hamper. Oh, I've only just seen the connection. Oh, I'm so slow. <laughs> uh, yeah, they sent me a fondue, chocolate fondue hamper from all the Marvel family. And you know, that's really, that's, you know, they, they, once you're in the family, you're in the fam. I, I will say, and I'm not, you can, you can research my Twitter from like a week ago before I knew you, I was talking to you. I happened to be watching First Avenger again mm. for the first time in a while. And it's, I think it's my favorite. It really oh, is. It's, I re I, it's charming. It's a sweet, no. charming mm. film. And, and it's really, it's all about that relationship between you and, and Chris in that film and that, that, that end scene. And uh, of course you grabbing his boob is integral to the story yeah, too. Well, quite right. Do you ever send so that as a gift to friends? Has that ever come up? I feel like that's like a, no, I just do it to my friends. <laughs> it's just my <laughs> signature at well move. I don't shake hands. That I was your thing before the, the movie. You oh, just yeah. happened to do it. Yeah. I had it in my arsenal as a tool <laughs> toolkit that when in doubt, when I'm nervous, just go for the man boob. Yeah. Did you have a sense? Cause I've talked to Chris a lot and I remember talking to him during, uh, after he, he got the film and like that first comment, 
Comic Con, and he's been very open about like how he had a lot of trepidation about mm. doing that. Mm. Was that like mm. palpable? Like, was he kind of like talking about that, or was he once he was in it, he was? Yeah, I I think uh, the the filming of it, f- from what I remember, is he's the thing that that was was I suppose surprising, but not surprising, just like how I how I. F- found him as an actor was you know he comes from he comes from theater like his family are very much into it right. and he is also a, a he plays piano and he is he tap dances uh and so although he has kind of i suppose a jock persona in some ways of some of the other jobs that he's done there was um uh, a real kind of uh, sensitivity and intelligence behind um, a lot of what he was doing. And so he remained, um, he had this mix of being just very focused. Uh, he would articulate, you know, certain things of going, I know, you know, I was very reluctant to take this job because I knew it would, be ch- it would change my life yeah. quite drastically. And he would wanted to have the conversation with with people around him of going, what does what are the repercussions of this? And also in terms of, the the will it open me up to amazing possibilities that extend beyond the Marvel universe, or will it actually prevent me from being able to do those things? Right. And and so he had a very open kind of dialogue about that. And I think as a result, it meant that it didn't kind of go to his head. And I think he just he's found a way to make it his own and make it work for him, yeah. and still be able to go off and direct and have a go at other things. And obviously, you know, doing a play here in New York. Um, you know, so I kind of like, I was really impressed by that. You know, I think he's a good guy. Definitely. And it's funny because it's like, it's, it's in a way more surprising for you in the way that you've had this long run with Mm. Peggy, clearly, because like we, you know, we won't die. We, we, we we joke about this kind of thing where, um, where, you know, on every Marvel movie you talk to kind of like the the side characters, people that, that aren't the leads and say like, oh, wouldn't it be great to get your own film or spin-off or whatever and you're like basically the only one where it actually happened and people have this unquenchable thirst for more Peggy Carter yeah yeah I mean some people are kind of a bit miffed that I'm doing anything else They're like, like that guy in, uh, on Instagram. The theater. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> okay, yeah, well, well done. But anyway, back right. to Peggy. When is Peggy coming back? And it's, it's kind of, it's, it really is amazing. I'm very like uh, appreciative of it because I, I it's, you, you, this so so much feels, but especially in the early years of a career and these this kind of creative art for me, you don't really know what's going to happen, yeah. and it. Uh, and and so it feels like this, um, you know, this kind of ongoing, very lovely gift, you know. And and I, I do want to do other things, and and I think everyone does. I mean, Chris himself is doing other things yep. because you don't want to be doing the same thing. Also, feeling I think for me with Peggy is if if and I if this ever was an opportunity to bring bring her back in some way, in some form, in some another show or whatever it is. Uh, that there is a development of her, so it doesn't feel that I'm just playing the same thing, that there's enough of the story development to feel that I can do something different and new with her. Right. Um, so that it, yeah, it just feels like it moves it forward rather than feels like you're just kind of, you know, acting by numbers of... Totally. Know, yeah. So um, where are you at in terms of that, the, you know, the $64,000 question you can never answer in terms of, like, where we're going to see her next? We've got two more Avengers films we know that are coming. We've got this Captain Marvel movie oh, that's yeah. in the 90s that oh, yeah. I know a lot of people are talking about. And they people like me being in it. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. No. <laughs> Someone was like, so, like Peggy Carter, you can neither confirm nor deny that you're going to be in Captain Marvel. And I was like, 
no, like, I'm not going to be in it. <laughs> I deny it. Like, deny it. <laughs> I, as Hayley Atwell, I'm saying, I've not had the call. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I think it's... Uh, I feel gonna like go I'm going to see you in some Avengers capacity in the next... God, that'd be nice. I mean, I, yeah, <laughs> I know they're filming it, and I, 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 I we also I had there are like Scarlett's uh, makeup people on that also did my makeup on the show, so right. I kind of hear that it's going on, and then of course when I get to the reunion photograph that we did, right. um, and I made sure I was wearing a really bright green dress because I thought I'm going to be tiny, and also no one's going to know that I'm there, so I just want to be like, hi, mum. I look like I'm kind of wearing a green screen, um, <laughs> a little bit of material, but. Um, it, you, you just kind of never know, really. It's yeah. just such a kind of a beast unto itself. Um, and I, you know, I'd, if I'd welcome the call if it came, but also like I'm not going to kind of wait for it. Right. I've kind of booked various other jobs that are so wildly different from that and kind of focusing on those things and just kind of, you know, if I get the call, then I'd be delighted. What, was there assigned seating at the photo shoot? Was there negotiating on the on site where like, actually, I feel like I should be in the second row. I should be near Downey or whatever. Or Well, yeah. I mean, let's face it. <laughs> she's the heart of the Marvel franchise. I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I was sat next to Paul Bettany, I think, or near him, and, and Joss Whedon as well. And I was like, this is fine. This, this, is, this is good company. <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. So you mentioned kind of like, yeah, the, the amazing breadth of the kind of material that, that you're uh, handling now. You just, I think you just did a play mm -hmm. uh, yeah. back home, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Dry Powder by Sarah Burgess, native New Yorker. That was oh, nice. done at the public here a couple of years ago with Hank Azaria, Claire Danes, and John Krasinski. Oh, right. It's actually a three-hander. So we did that in London. It's been nominated for Best New Comedy at the Olivier Awards, which is our equivalent of Tony's. Awesome. Um, yeah, so it was it was fantastic, and she's the absolute antithesis of both Peggy and Margaret Schlegel. Jenny, the character, is someone who is um, what she has, what she lacks in emotional intelligence. She makes up for an IQ, and she's got kind of a calculator for her heart. Mm. And I, I put her on the kind of the spectrum um, in terms of. Uh, being able to pick up or not pick up social cues and, and kind of nuance of etiquette to to make her slightly more palatable and also funny for the audience to take because she's essentially horrendous mm -hmm. in terms of her, her views, her political and her moral views. Her belief is that... Um, what you do as someone who works in high finance, private equity, is you take a company, you absolutely rip it apart, you fire all the people that are worthless to you, and uh, it's not your fault if they don't have qualifications to get jobs elsewhere and that they have five children to feed. Uh, that's not her problem. And then she makes this company more valuable and then sells it on and makes profit and then goes and yeah. goes home and she's sleeps. She's the Gordon Gecko of our day. She's uh, Yeah, and she's and she doesn't get human relations. She doesn't care that the the, the play is very much about how the press are uh, the time when we've kind of completely destroyed a whole kind of community of workers mm. and layoffs um, is also the time we decided to throw a million pound party and hiring like live elephants. And she doesn't get the insensitivity of that at right. all. She's like, I see them as two different, separate events. Yeah. Um, and it was really for that, and that her lack of awareness, that's what, where in her comedy Amazing. lies. Um, so it was great fun to get the, to the challenge to do that and to play American as well. I have not Tiffany, a different kind of person than, than your alter ego, Tiffany. Oh, yeah, no, Tiffany would not cope with it. I mean, she'd be like, oh, my God, all the children. Like, I just feel like I identify with them. And I just feel like we should just give them all money. And then... Um, yeah, I should just have a new pair of shoes. We should develop, I feel like, a one-woman show for Tiffany and bring it to New York. Have you done Have you done theater here? No, I'd love to. This is it. This is the way to Tiffany, do it. Tiffany, one-woman show of Tiffany. Tiffany, one night only. <laughs> one night only. Yeah. Leave them wanting more. <laughs> well, yeah, I think one night is enough. 
<laughs> and she makes it through without having oranges and rotten fruit thrown at her. I think she is a triumph. Yeah. Uh, has had the, your, your experiences in the theater, which was, correct me if I'm wrong, your mm. first love too. That's sort of where mm. through your mom yeah, you kind of came in to. It and yeah, yeah, yeah. Classical theater, yeah. Are, are those kind of the experiences that have kind of pushed you further, you think, when you look back at your career thus far in terms of where you've had the most growth or where you've... Um, yeah, made yeah, strides. yeah, certainly. I think it, so. In drama school in, in in England, where I went, Guildhall, they're very much about the ensemble. So about they're about collaboration, and you do things from studying Shakespeare to the Greeks to mm. improv comedy to dance, and it gives you a very kind of broad foundation of which to then go out and start to un- figure out the craft and the, being an apprentice in the world of a company of, of theatre. And and I, when I came out of drama school, I uh, was lucky enough to work with some some kind of exceptional actors who who I would just watch like a hawk. So my first play, my first job two weeks out of drama school was with David Ayelowo doing a Greek tragedy and I played Io to his Prometheus in Prometheus Bound by Aeschylus. And um, his kind of, his total commitment, but his kindness, um, he's got a huge heart, but a big intellect as well. Yeah. Just uh, was a wonderful thing to kind of, just to feel like I could kind of bask in and I felt very safe doing that and it, and and I was an amazing experience and then going to the Royal Shakespeare Company and we working with the late great Tim Pickett Smith um, and Penelope Wilton these are names that I knew growing up yeah. these great giants of British theatre and also Sir Simon Russell Beale um, and Ken Stott interview from the Ridge Mary, Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio um, right that, that, that production was very well received yes the Ridge, right? yeah, yeah. Olivier Nom which is very amazing um, and people like that and then of course uh, even in film think people like Emma Thompson and um, gosh uh uh, Ray Fines as well. Um, they they were very much kind of. I wanted to surround myself with people who I respect and admired and am intimidated by because I thought I I can learn from you guys, yeah. um, and it ups my game. But it also gives me a very clear awareness of my limited <laughs> skills, and it that makes me feel like I want to work harder to be better. That's yeah. how anyone's going to grow as you surround yourself with people who. Um, you know, you you respect and you would you know look up to, and that's going to rub off. I think you said something to the effect in a recent interview about like being in your thirties, being a more, some more opportunities that that are exciting to you mm. than than when you were in your twenties. Did you find yeah. that that to be the case when you were out of drama school and you were starting out that? the roles were more one note and that right now, both thanks to experience and age and accomplishment, it's now it's getting interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I'm, I'm more interested. I know what to look for, I suppose. And when you come out of drama school, for me, my experience was that you're just so grateful to be working and you just want to, to do it and you want the experience. And so as, as, as long as it didn't kind of uh, steer too far away from my values, like kind of going, well, I don't want to play someone who's kind of butt naked for the entire thing, or do you just kind of feel that it's exploitative in some way or, or could be actually be detrimental to a certain kind of quality work you're wanting to w- work towards. Um, if you can in any way be um, selective, then great. But if you can't, and I certainly couldn't at the beginning, you, you take what you can and you learn from it, you know. Yeah. And so I think just sticking it out long enough and having ups and downs and having uh, trying to learn from each experience, even about it being how not to do it or, or what you don't want to do or what you're really not good at doing, mm. they're all useful too. And I think coming into having just a decade, we're over a decade into since I left drama school now, of um, being able to be a little bit more discerning and trusting instincts and 
um, having more kind of awareness of how things work a bit. So I'm not, you know, on a set now, I know what a mark is and how to reach it. Uh, Figuring out the language and the vocabulary of being on set. What is, uh, when someone says, we're going to bring in the Chinese, you're like, what is, I don't know that. What is, what does that mean? And now I know it's a particular light. Okay. It's, uh, and they call it a nickname. I didn't know. Yeah, I was like, fantastic. (laughs) We're getting Chinese takeout for food. Exactly. That, yeah, totally. Um, And like all these little kind of, Uh, you know, little kind of little catchphrases. Um, and, and also in the, the you know, uh, the theater kind of catchphrases that we, that we have that, that I just was, didn't know what anyone was talking about. Are you, su- but, are you a superstitious actor? Are you one of those actors, especially in the theater that has certain things you will or will not do? That uh, will ensure a- no, but here's an interesting thing. Uh, I'm not superstitious, but I understand that people are, so I'll honour that. So I won't say the Scottish play if I'm next to someone who is uh, superstitious about it. Um, However... You will fill their dressing with with small balls, but you will will. not say the Scottish play. Quite right, quite (laughs) right. Um, Yes, exactly. Um, But we had, so one of the actors that was in Dry Powder mentioned Macbeth. and that, and, and just was like, I'm not, it's fine. I'm not super, because it, it's on at the National in London at the moment. So he happened to say it, I think, in the green room or something or yeah. during lunch. And he hadn't been superstitious either. That, that then show, okay, this has never happened. It never happened again. The, there was revolving glass kind of pillars uh, that looked like giant um, kind, of, kind of rectangular kind of cylinder things. Mm-hmm. And um, they shattered they felt they collapsed and shattered and glass went everywhere and we had to stop the production while a stage manager just came and, and kind of, you know, uh, scooped it all up. And we were so spooked backstage. <laughs> As you should be. <gasps> we were so it's spooked. Real. Oh, it's real, it's real. Um, yeah. So I, maybe, maybe there is truth in it now. I don't know. Uh, we're next going to see you after this wonderful uh, four-part series airs on stars here in the U.S. Howard's End concludes in a, in a few weeks. Uh, well, I think on the big screen we'll see Christopher Robin. Yeah. Which is you reteaming with Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor, yeah. Um, yeah. And, that uh, dazzling smile. I, so charismatic. You know, here's a fun Ewan McGregor story. He helped me propose to my wife. How, how come? Well, uh, long story short, um, my wife's favorite actor, Ewan uh-huh. McGregor. I was just starting out at MTV about a decade ago. I knew I was going to propose. I was doing a junket, and I prearranged. I basically had him kind of tossed to me on a video, like, as if we're doing an interview. But Jenny, I think Josh has something to ask you. I played her the tape. I did my thing. Oh, We've got a, a Moulin Rouge poster so nice. where he misspelled happiness on it. It's great. It's all good. Um, but oh. yeah, he's a good guy, Yeah, to he's say a really good guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, we had fun. So Christopher Rob, did, did, mm. I, I always worry for actors on productions like that. Does it drive you insane talking to things that are not there for extended periods of time? Yeah, that's that's bizarre, uh, but kind of funny. I mean, it, I think it helped Mark Forster's really fun director and would just encourage me to have fun with it and, and improv- improvise and would just go, just keep the cameras rolling because if we if we you know keep it on long enough, hopefully it should be funny. And <laughs> no, but he he was very sweet. He'd be like, oh my god, you're really funny and no one knows it. We need to kind of like increase your screen time. I was like, yes, please, delighted. <laughs> I haven't seen the final cut. I might hardly be in it, but who knows. But it was great fun. And we would have, so we'd have, um, <laughs> we'd have three stages of the puppets. 
uh, we would have the the stuffies, which were just the you know the right, right size and real weight and right. and you know eyes and all that kind of business. And then once we did a, what they call a pass with the stuffies, a scene with the stuffies, where we had to kind of pretend they were interacting with us. They then brought in headless stuffies. Oh no 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 no. Yeah no. Why? yeah yeah. But they're made of like this dark grey mat- material fabric, and they're headless. So suddenly you feel like you're in a Guillermo del Toro version of Winnie the Pooh. And it's really creepy. Yeah, and you've got like a headless Eeyore and stuff. And then, and actually I remember Ewan at one point, he'd just done a scene and um, he spots Eeyore staring at him from like a rooftop or something. And so the stuff he was put there and he, and Ewan came up to me afterwards and he went, that is one intimidating donkey. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true because they are so lifelike and they're just like, <laughs> they're really she's, intimidating. She's really staring at me in a really creepy way. <laughs> I know. It's like, can you, it's just, it's just. Okay, we're good. It is, it is, yeah. <laughs> it was, and also because they give you nothing it, right. because they don't obviously speak back to you. You just feel like they're so condescending you. Yeah. Like they're giving enough, you know, so I'll be like, Kanga, how are you doing today? What's, so you've raised, you've, you've raised Rue on your own and wow, that's where is his dad and all of this and you're and Kang is like staring at you anyway and then after the, the Guillermo del Toro pass of right. the head of stuffies they had these like rods with a light on the end of it and when the light goes off that's when they've stopped talking and you come in and it, you're kind of like, this is insane. They didn't teach that in drama like, they school. They didn't teach no. this in drama school. <laughs> but they did teach me how to be the colour blue or to how to be an element. Uh, so I kind of figured that they put you through so much humiliation that you just throw yourself into any kind of situation. So I, in a way, it was kind of useful. How do you be the col- how, how can you play the colour blue? Well, I'm wearing a blue jacket right you now, are, so right I feel now like that's easy, doing it for me. But, but uh, well, it often it often is in terms of like blue. You, you just kind of imagine blue being a particular uh, sound or a particular uh, emotion, mm. I suppose, and then you do like an interpretive dance based on that sound and emotion. Okay. And so, like the dark, you know, if you dance to yellow, it might be very different to how you would dance blue. You know what I mean? We're going to end this with an interpretive dance on the way out. You won't be able to see it, but trust us, guys, we're in the middle of it. That's Um, what I came for. Thank you so much for stopping by. (laughs) Pleasure. Uh, uh, Howard's End, again, it's airing on Stars. Everybody should check it out. Uh, If you think you're going to love it, you're going to love it. If you don't think it's for you, you're probably still going to love it. Because it's, it's not what you think. It's not a stuffy not homework what you thing. Think. Well, it's not yeah. the stuffy homework thing. It's not like, you know. No, uh, it, it, it's very, it's provocative. It's it, very engaging, I think, and stimulating watching it. Definitely. Mm. Um, congratulations on all uh, all your great work. And I look forward to Tiffany coming to Broadway very soon. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm finally getting the recognition I deserve. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome anytime. And I, and I mean Haley, not, uh, not Tiffany. Yeah, she's back in her box. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. (laughs) 